Welcome to another edition of the Membership World Podcast. My name is Gordon Glenister. In this podcast series, you'll hear me interview all sorts of people from the world of membership bodies and trade associations. But before we start, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast series just to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. So in today's edition, I'm talking about the association events industry with Richard John, who is the Chief Operating Officer of events agency Realize. So I started by asking Richard about Realize and what he's been up to, and here's what he had to say. I've spent, oh, God forbid, 30 years in the events industry, and I've had a lot of fun. And about, uh, let me see, it'd be five years ago, with my very good friend, David Preston, we set up a company called Realize, and initially it was to deliver the new event apprenticeship to a uh, an unsuspecting world. It was interesting because we were talking to a lot of your members, a lot of the trade associations about why they should consider taking an event apprentice. Traditionally, you can go to university and study event management if you want to. There's a big philosophical argument about whether that is the best way to learn a skill that is often very much about hands-on. So over the past four years, we have delivered about 80 event apprentices. But since the pandemic, Then, of course, what's happened is we've had to cliche alert pivot and we have been delivering and supporting organisations in delivering online events. And we've had a fantastic time. Our turnover has gone up 400 percent. And I don't say that to boast. No, perhaps I do say that to boast. But in an industry that has had a very, very bleak time, it's not all bad news. Yeah, no, that's great. So, so let, I mean, oh, I know we don't really want to be talking too much about the pandemic, but, you know, give us a sense of what's what's happened in the events industry and what's your perspective on what's happened and where do you think that the, the future of great events is going? Well, it's certainly been an interesting time. And I know in the past, you've interviewed people who provide speakers. And you know, there's this cadre of uh, speakers who will come along and they call themselves, was it, futurists. And they stand on stage and they tell us what the next 10 or 20 years is going to look like. I've seen many of them. They're quite entertaining. But I think one of the things that COVID has taught us, especially for the events industry, is that you are pretty much doomed to fail if you try and predict what's going to happen. Now, I know I'd love to give some advice to your listeners. And I think one of the things we should think about is that at the end of last year, yeah, 2021, it seemed to be that things were getting better and physical events were opening up. And suddenly we had Omicron come back and suddenly it was a huge closure again. Now, I think what we have seen is that organisations are able to pivot more quickly to putting their events online. And just as an aside, about 10 years ago, I did a research project with a university and with one of our large trade associations to look at online events. And we wanted to find out why more organizations weren't using them. Because if you think about it, all the technology that we've used over the past two years has existed for some time before. And the big fear, this is 10 years ago, the big fear for organizers was that if we put our events online, there's a danger that we'll cannibalize the physical event. And I can understand the logic of that, but what we have seen over the past 18 months is that as soon as you put your events online, what you do is you attract new audiences who would never be able to come to your physical event. So it's never a problem. And many organizations have seen their numbers soar. So I think that's one of the things to think about. I was at an event recently and, and you know, everyone was using this phrase about hybrid events. And I probably was a bit stroppy and I may have had some carver at that stage. So when I was asked, 
I said I was a bit fed up hearing about this constant talk about hybrid. And the truth is, and I use this analogy, a few years ago, people would talk about digital marketing. And there isn't any digital marketing in the same way people would talk about alternative medicine. And there isn't alternative medicine. There is just medicine. There is just marketing. And in the same way, the future is there will be events and consumers will decide how they want to consume them. And organizers have to respond to that demand. Now, whether that means that the event is, as we would say, hybrid in the part of it's going to be streamed online and part of it's going to be physical. Well, that will be for the clients to decide. So, you know, I think it's very difficult to say this is what the future is going to look like. What we have seen is a huge hunger for people to go back to face to face meetings. And at the same time, there is absolutely no drop off in the demand for online events. I'm sorry, that was a long winded way of saying I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, but I think what is interesting is we've learned a lot from it, haven't we? Innovation is starting to play a big part in the way that we use apps, for example, and that now we're using data in a much more strategic way. I mean, people used to just exhibit at events because they always did. And I think now, you know, the tree's been shaken, hasn't it? And people are starting to now look at how they invest their marketing budgets. You're absolutely right. I detect from my own side that there is a, a desire for people to go back to physical events, but I think in a different way. It's not just, oh, oh let's just go back to the way we had it. I think people are, are much more discerning about what they want from an event now. I would certainly agree with that. I think one of the things we've learned from the pandemic is that when it comes to an online event, people will choose to dip in and out and they will choose to consume the content they want to and in the way they want to. And of course, we're not used to doing that. If, for example, you go to an industry exhibition, you have to set aside big swathes of time and accept that you will be going around an exhibition hall, dipping in and out of seminars, talking to exhibitors, and you have to set aside a day of your time. And that, precisely as you say, that seems to have changed. People understand that they can get great content very quickly. And yeah, I struggle to get to grips with many of the apps that are coming to the fore. But I was talking to the digital director of one of the, the world's biggest publishing groups, and she was telling me that they are looking with great enthusiasm at TikTok. Now, I would never assume that TikTok would be a platform for them. But she said that what they're seeing is consumers are very hungry for what you call snackable content. And if you go look at a TikTok video, surprising once you get past the skateboarding cats and young ladies cavorting in bikinis, there is some really, really good content delivered by people very, very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, um, it's an area that I'm very familiar with. And we're in the attention economy now. We want stuff quicker, faster, better. We want to be entertained, we want to be inspired, and we want to be educated. And in a way, obviously, I'm very close to the events industry myself, as, as we both are, but I, I was a little bit disappointed in going back to some of them, and I felt like not much had changed, and I'd hoped for a slightly different approach, and maybe that's still to come. This podcast is sponsored by RD Mobile, providing events and member engagement solutions used by organizations worldwide. RD Mobile can help your organization deliver value at your next virtual or in-person event and throughout the year. Visit us at rdmobile.com to learn more. I think for the association sector, I think you make some interesting points. 
in the, the sort of hybrid solution. You know, that there are now many associations that have found that they're now reaching global audiences where they weren't before. And that's largely driven by online, but also speakers as well. Suddenly you can have a, a top eminent speaker in your field just dialing in from his home in Australia, whereas before that would have cost you thousands of pounds to fly that person over with, with accommodation and everything else. So I think people are wanting more bite-sized content, but much, much more focused, less generalistic, much more focused, particularly around the association sector. Is, your, is that your thinking? It is. And I think, to be honest, we only have to look at the success of a platform like TED, where they took a concept, yeah, which is you know, people doing presentations, standing on stage, and they turned it into this phenomena by the incredibly dramatic move of telling people, if you don't get off in 15 minutes, we're going to pull you off with a stick with a hook at the end. And that helps the speakers focus dramatically. And I think the audience are more appreciative because, you know, even if you think I'm, I'm watching this speaker, I'm not that bothered about, I don't know, 19th century flute making in Bavaria, but it doesn't matter because there's another one coming along in 15 minutes. And I think that, that way of just breaking the mold, reinventing the, the model has actually been very successful. And I'm surprised more organisations haven't actually done that. And the other thing you probably know about TED is how brutally they rehearse their speakers. You know, if you're invited to speak at the main TED event, then you start preparing a year in advance. I think that this is a vital lesson that organisers need to learn. It needs to be good content. It needs to be delivered quickly. And I think one of the problems is that when the pandemic struck, a lot of organisers looked at their events and they thought everything we do physically, we can put online. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. One of the issues is you need to think we've got people who are watching, could be watching this. They're watching presentation on a computer. Their phones are going. Their emails are going. They have the attention span of a hiccup. Your presentation, your speaker's presentations need to capture and captivate them. It needs to be on quickly and off quickly. And that's it. And people are prepared to pay for that. and They're prepared to consume it, but they don't want to be bored. And even just going around exhibitions now, sometimes I think to myself, an, an exhibition organiser can work really hard at getting great speakers. But then you go around some of the exhibition halls and I'm like, well, well how come half of the exhibitors are not engaging you know and this is a difficulty because on the one hand the organizers have sold the stand and you know there's not much more that they can do but of course the experience for the visitor if they don't get an engaging uh, person on the stand reflects badly on the show overall doesn't it i mean i went to one show and there were a number of booths that nobody even turned up how do you square that circle it is very, very frustrating. And in fact, in my earlier youth, I used to spend a lot of my time training exhibitors to make the most of events. You used to get all your readers to rush out and buy my book from Amazon called Exhibitionista. And it's exactly as you say, I think one of the biggest problems is that organisers will sell the exhibition stand to an exhibitor by saying, you have to be here. You know, they'll say things like companies will notice if you're not there or you know, this is all part of your image building. So therefore, when a company builds a stand, what they're doing is they're saying, well, we've ticked the box because we built our stand. Here it is. So therefore, the objective has been met. Of course, it's not a proper objective. And, you know, one of the things I'm always urging exhibitors to do is to set real measurable objectives. So you say, you know, if you've got a, a six square meter stand, you've got two staff on it. They can each of them talk to four people an hour. Do the maths 
two staff working seven hour day for two days, talking to four people an hour. And you say, well, you should be able to bring me 60 or 70 qualified leads. And we also talk about something called Bant qualified leads, which is you talk to someone who has a budget, who has the authority, who has the need, who has the time to actually make a decision. Budget, authority, need, and what's the time frame? And you know, this is see, this is straightforward, but a lot of companies go, oh, that's good. And you're right, we do see so many uh, exhibition stands that are empty. And of course, it's important, whilst an organiser may not be responsible for the performance of their exhibitors, they're going to turn around and say the show didn't work. The truth is, they didn't work the show. Absolutely. But either way, they ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's difficult, isn't it? You set up these innovation awards, I think was such a, a great thing to do. And you got a lot of entries, I believe, didn't you? We did, yeah. I mean, to be, to be honest, we didn't get as many as I would have liked to have seen because I thought, well, there's never been a better time for people to kind of blow the dust off an idea or shape up a proposal. But the quality was exceptionally good. And you're right, we just said we're going to throw out some cash for people to come up with innovative ideas for the recovery of the events industry. And then the bonus is if they want it, we will you know, support them, we'll give them mentoring, possibly we'll give them some other investment if they want to take the idea forward. And we're actually working on a number of those at the moment. So are you able to share some of the winners with us? Well, I will just mention one, which was a splendid idea, and it kind of embraces the kind of new world we're living in, which was the suggestion of a remote concierge. So you want to go to an exhibition. You can't for whatever reason. So you have a word with the organisers. They select you as one of their VIPs. And on the day, you get on your computer and there is an ambassador who will physically carry you around. Well, when I say physically, you'll be connected by an iPad. The ambassador will take you around to the exhibitors, the sponsors, allow you to attend the seminars so that you can participate fully without actually having to get on a plane. It's a simple idea, but then all the best ideas are simple. So we're developing that. I suppose it's all part of the new world, the new normal that we're going to be living in. Absolutely great. Super. So what's on the plans for Realise? Well, I think one of the problems is that as the world is starting to recover, we thought we would move away from doing a lot of um, support for online events and just go back to just helping some physical organisers. And the trouble is we're doing both because organisers have realised the benefit of both the physical and the online event working in tandem. At the same time, we're busy launching our own events because you know we thought there's never been a better time to actually go out there with new ideas. So we're also going to be doing conferences and hopefully practicing what we preach. One of the things that, if I may, I'll give a plug to something we did. It was just a bit of fun. The website is dentinthesofa.com. And it was prompted by me because I was watching a lot of television during the pandemic. And I was looking at um, how people like Amazon Prime and Netflix keep us engaged and what are the lessons that we can learn. So we often say, oh, I'm you know, a bit exhausted. I'm zoomed out by the end of the day from being you know, staring at the screen. And what do we do? We go and sit in front of another screen. So the key to this is it's about good content delivered effectively because that's what Netflix does. So for all your listeners, please go to dentinthesofa.com and you can download an ebook which is full of 21 tips for meeting and events planners. And I think a lot of them will be relevant to your listeners because it is about how to entertain your audience. And just an idea, it touches on a couple of them. One of the problems, you know, when you go to a conference and there's always this thing about someone who comes on and talks about who they are, what they do, and a bit about their company. Now, that's fine for a physical event because we're sitting there and we can't go anywhere. The truth is, 
on a virtual event, if someone is doing that, you're bored and you'll just turn off. So my suggestion is when you're a speaker, you just have to go out there and say, say something captivating, say something controversial, but don't hang around, get on with the content, get in there and get people captivated. Yeah, no, that's really sound advice. Well, Richard, I've, I must admit, I've really enjoyed it today. And thank you so much for your insightful comments. And if people want to find out more about you other than the dent in the sofa, is there any other contact details you need to leave with our listeners? Just um, if anyone would like to have a chat about anything, always up for uh, you know, a cup of coffee over a Zoom or you never know, getting together physically. So email me richard.john at realize.me.uk. Lovely. Thank you, Richard. And thank you for joining us today. That's it for another edition of Membership World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and give me your feedback. Uh, hello at membershipworld.co.uk. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter, where you can also ask me a question. And lastly, if you do feel like it, please give us a five star rating as it helps us hugely. And thanks to my producer, Neil Whiteside from Freedom One. And until next time, from me, Gordon Glenister, it's bye for now.